Welcome to the John Brown University Chapel podcast, recorded in the historic Cathedral of the Ozarks in Salem Springs, Arkansas. This week's chapel speaker is Curtis Smith. Reverend Curtis P. Smith is the 14th servant of the historic St. James Missionary Baptist Church in Fayetteville, Arkansas. St. James was founded in 1865, which means we may be 100 years old, but St. James is 150 years old. It has been a central part of the Fayetteville community in Northwest Arkansas ever since, providing biblical training for members of the church, initiating scholarship programs for students, organizing discipleship and evangelism programs, providing leadership in the integration of the Fayetteville Public Schools and the University of Arkansas. St. James has always been committed to the church and to the community. Even during this pandemic, the St. James Food Pantry feeds about 600 families every month. Pastor Curtis has been that church since 2007, and God has been preparing him for the role of pastor uh, since he was a young boy. Uh, He grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, attended Grambling State University, graduating with a degree in business. He and his wife, Jacinda, who I think may be here today or is coming, is, um, is also ministered St. James. They were married and they were expecting their first child as they came to graduation. And as he said, uh, I needed a job, insurance, and a house. So he joined the Air Force uh, because they provided all three. Um, It was through that, though, that God had him meet two Air Force chaplains. And that started his thinking about becoming a minister. After his service in the military, he and his family came to Northwest Arkansas, where he worked at Walmart. And he was at the real estate division. He also was in store operations. And at the end of his career there, he was in the diversity office. In fact, he has a great story of how he negotiated with Don Soderquist, the Soderquist of the Soderquist College of Business. It was, uh, Pastor Curtis had the idea for the first time to celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday at Walmart. And he came to ask Don if that was a good idea. And Don said, yeah, but I'm not giving you any budget. And he goes, okay, I'll do it without a budget. And then he got 400 people to show up for that first celebration. And then he talked to uh, Don Soderquist, he said, next year I'll give you a budget. Uh, so he proved, he proved his, uh, the, the wealth of, the worth of that. While I was at Walmart, he earned a THM theology degree from Anderson University Seminary and has, was an active volunteer at St. James. He had no intention of leading, leaving Walmart, but their pastor at St. James died suddenly and through a variety of God-ordained events, Pastor Curtis was uh, called to lead that church. I'm grateful that Pastor Curtis and Jacinda are with us today. Would you join me in giving them a warm JBU welcome? This might be a little different chapel. I'm a little animated. And uh, so if I, uh, if I seem to be talking a little louder than most of yours, it's not that I'm yelling at you. I'm just excited about the gospel. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, if you have your Bibles with you, if you would uh, stand and join me with Exodus chapter 13. If you don't have your Bible, I'll read uh, from mine, Exodus chapter 13, uh, verse 17 through 22. Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 through 22. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. For God said, if they face war, 
they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear on oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham, at the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead, them, ahead of them with a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night, a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Now, before we get started, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to take one step to the left. Now, take one step to the right. So, if at the end of this service, you cannot say that the preacher did not move me. Amen. <laughs> All right, you may be seated in the presence of our Lord. First, I want to uh, give thanks to uh, President uh, Chip Pollard and his wife, Carrie, and the uh, John Brown University family for the invitation to come and, and be with you today. Uh, know that I am truly blessed and, and honored to do that. Also, Chaplain Keith uh, for his hospitality, Crystal uh, Perry uh, for her incredible grace and professionalism, uh, Corey Dale for her kindness. But I also want to thank God for my wife who has joined me here today of 32 years, uh, Jacinda, amen. Amen, I thank, thank God uh, for, for her. She has been uh, the joy of, of, of my life, the joy of my life. Well, in keeping up with uh, you all um, commitment to the scriptures in Exodus, uh, if I could just have a few minutes of your time and just really minister from a thought, appreciate the journey. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, appreciate the journey. Now, so that you know, this is going to be interactive. In, in my community, we talk, it's call and echo. We talk back to each other. So y'all going to be talking a lot today, all right? All right. Now, here we look, here in the book of Exodus, as you all know from your own studying in chapel, that it is the second book of the Pentateuch, or the law written by Moses. The name Exodus means departure, and it's a chronological detail of the children's of Israel's departure from the land and the hands of Egypt and Pharaoh. But what it also does, it tells us how Moses leads the people out of Israel and out of Egypt through the wilderness to Mount Sinai. And so it is that Mount Sinai is where the Ten Commandments were given and where God entered into the covenant with them and gives the land of Canaan. But what should have been a few days journey at best turned out to be 40 years. See, they wanted to be free, but they didn't want the trouble that came with freedom. See, they wanted God to release them, but they wanted to be released up under their own condition. But what is worse is despite being the chosen, 
people of God. They could not recognize the voice of God. And one thing that I have discovered, young people, is that the hardest struggle is knowing what God is telling you to do. See, likewise, it's a struggle knowing when God is saying to stay and when he's also telling you to move. But let me say that if you are not walking with God, don't expect God to raise his voice. Because if you are not close enough to God to hear him whisper, then you will always be wandering in the middle of nowhere. Why? Because God is only speaking to those that are close enough. God doesn't have to raise his voice to talk to people that he wants to talk to. Because God says that if you really are interested in hearing me, you must move everything that's not like me out of your way. See, I've got to get everything in my life that is not like God, that is blocking me from hearing the voice of God. And so there are some things that you just got to learn how to throw out of your life that's blocking you from getting to the presence of God. See, the problem with us is that oftentimes we wait for it to leave and hoping that it would disappear. But there are some things that go on in our life that we know that we need to just discard of. But God, now that I've removed these things from my life, why won't you tell me what you want me to do? And so God is letting us know that he needs us to walk in faith. And so when you read this text after a series of plagues, Pharaoh finally released the Israelites. And so in our text, we find that the Israelites leaving bondage now on their way to Canaan. And so God is taking them on a detour from what appeared to be the most normal and the appropriate route. In fact, people, God is taking them the long, long, long way to Canaan. The coastal route via Mars known as the way of the sea was the shortest route and most common way to go. But still, it was the road where Egypt's military outposts were. See, what I know about God is that he is omniscient, amen. He knew the children of Israel were not ready to face this. And because had he done so, they would have returned back to Egypt. So he leads them in a much different way. And I want to tell you this morning that our life's journey is often overlooked because we only desire to see the end. And so today what I want to do real briefly is to challenge you to enjoy the time of your departure and your arrival. And so the first thing that I really want to uplift out of this passage is that appreciate that God may not always rescue you through the quickest route. When you look at verse 17, and 18, in the text it says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, through it, though it was shorter. For God says, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. When I was in the sixth grade, I remember well that there was a certain girl who had a goal, one goal in life. That was to chase me down <laughs> and to beat me up. 
And so one day, a good friend of mine by the name of Chauncey came to meet me during lunch. And he told me that he heard this girl, by the way, her name was Sharon, heard this girl talking to her friends that they were going to be sitting in the pathway that I generally walk home there waiting to jump me on my way from school. Can I tell you, I thank God for Chauncey because intel is a good thing. And so, as you can imagine, my stomach, it churned all afternoon. But when, uh, because I, I lived only about a 20-minute walk from the school uh, to get to my grandparents' house. So when the bell rung at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I found myself briskly walking in the opposite direction of the house. Well, let me just clarify, I was actually running, Amen. But I was walking a different direction because I did not want to face Sharon. I walked and I walked and I walked. And it was uneventful. It was a very boring route. It took me over an hour to get home where generally it would only take me 20 minutes. But here's the thing, I made it safely. See, it would have been easy pretty much like the Israelites, to think that the Via Maris was the way to go because it had easy roads and it was a short distance. It was a trade route, so food and water was plentiful. But the dangers of the way were too great, though, that they could not see them. See, on the Via Maris, one side was the Mediterranean and on the other side was the Sea of Galilee and a very scenic route. But can I tell you that sometimes scenic routes will throw you off because we tend to lose focus because we're looking at everything except at God. And so it's like our walk with God, a way that seems right for us, turns out to be full of danger that we cannot see. But can I tell you some good news that our God knows what we can handle. And so I've learned that God's way is the way of most resistance. Because now Israel, they were complaining, complaining, and complaining. See, there were some hits that you could have avoided, but the problem is that you resisted God and you decided to do it your way. Just because Pharaoh has been beaten by God does not mean that Pharaoh is through with you. And so while they were whining, they did not realize something, that God was ordering their steps. And so it's important that we understand that God is not always going to make you or take you through the obvious route. Because this is what I've learned in my short life that, that if he makes it too easy, then you won't praise him like you should. If it makes it too easy, then you may not worship him like you should. If it makes it too easy, you'll, when you're sick, you'll claim it was NyQuil or grandma's chicken noodle soup that got you well. And that's why some folk are still stuck. Why? Because they choose the easy and the shortest route. And so you might think that there before everyone else, you might get there before everybody. But what happens is that you lose quiet time with God. See, they are on their way to Canaan. They just left a life of slavery. 
They left the past but had not arrived to where they were going. That puts them in between their bondage and their breakthrough. See, is there anybody in here in that place? See, you've in between being sick and being healed. You're between I hate you and I love you. You're between depression and deliverance. You're between healing from our old relationships and finding peace in a new one. See, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I'm in between. I'm in between almost and not yet. I'm in between what I used to be and what I am going to be. I'm in between my mama's house and my apartment. I'm in between my death and my resurrection. I'm just somewhere in between. I have not arrived to my destiny, but one thing that I can say, I did leave where I was. And so they left slavery, but still they had a slave mentality. They had been down so long that they now have to adjust to standing up. See, somebody here knows what it's like to be broke so long that when you finally get some money, you're too scared to buy something. And so, see, most people miss the exodus because they think about themselves physically leaving. Physically leaving was easy. But here's the reality is that their struggle was to bring their minds with them. It was changing how they thought. They left Egypt, but Egypt hasn't left them. And so even though we've been emancipated by the blood of Jesus Christ, most are still locked up to their old way of thinking. But the second thing that's uplifted in the text is that we got to appreciate the fact that God will fulfill his promise if you remain faithful. Verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear on oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. To demonstrate Moses' firm faith with God that God would fulfill his word regarding the promised land. Joseph had given an order to his relatives to take his bones with them once it was time for them to leave Egypt and go to the promised land. And so Joseph's faith was so firm that he gave the order because he absolutely believed that they would go to the promised land according to God's set plan. In Hebrews 11 and 22, the Bible says that by faith that Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus from the Israelites through from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. See, this helps us understand the assignment that the children of Israel were on. Not only were they the chosen people, but God was using them to fulfill his promise. See, it took over 400 years for the promise to come to pass. But guess what? God fulfilled it. 
And I know that some of you have been waiting on things. You've been praying about things and you've been waiting on God to do what God said that he was going to do for your life. And it seems that you're sitting there in the wilderness and nothing is happening. But can I share with you this morning that despite how you feel, despite what is going on in your life, if God said it, you can count on that God is going to fulfill it. He's going to fulfill it. So what does that have to do with you? Your faith must be able to stand trial. Because if you are going to make it, your faith in God's word has to be cemented. See, if God's word promised it, it shall come to pass. It may not be in your timing, and sometimes it may not even be in your lifetime. However, we know that God is a man that he shall not lie. And so you have to have enough faith to fight through your tears and your heartaches and your pain and, 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 and your depression and, and, and whatever it is that you're dealing with. You see, you may have to get to the place where you say, I don't see it, God, but I have to keep moving because I trust you. See, because there are some things you're never going to see that will come to pass, but it doesn't preclude you from having a faith to walk with God. And so the last point that I want to make so I can let you go is that we must appreciate and value that God is leading you in your journey. Look at the text again in verse 20 and 21. It says, after leaving Succoth, they camped and ate them on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Notice the Bible says that the Lord went before them. God showed them his presence and in a very dramatic way, by giving them a 24-hour-a-day assurance with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. But here's what I don't want you to miss. It was not a cloud and a fire, plural. It was a singular cloud that turned into fire. God says this. He says, I may come in different ways but it's still me. Sometimes I deal with you in the night one way and in the daytime of your life in another way. But you can rest assured that it's still me. God says I may show up as a burning bush one time or I may show up as water out of a rock. He says I may turn the bitter water of marrow sweet, but guess what? It's still me. See, sometimes in the middle of the night, the pillar of fire would start moving. Three in the morning, they had to pack up. Wake up, y'all. The fire is moving, so we got to go. Because listen, God never said where he was going. As a matter of fact, he took them the wrong way, if you recall. See, not the wrong way in the spirit, but the wrong way in the natural. Because what looks wrong to man 
is right to God. Remember, the shortest route to the land of Canaan was through the territory of the Philistines. But the route chosen here by God was southwest towards Sinai. It was so far out of the way. And the question becomes, why? Well, the text already said it. It says to avoid the military confrontation with the Egyptian army. Because had this happened, it would have encouraged the shallow-minded and tunnel-vision Israelites to turn around and go back and negate their freedom. But God, in his infinite wisdom, caused Israel to miss all of that drama. So you always thank God for what he brought you out of. But can I tell you, every now and then, you ought to thank God for the stuff that you have never met. The stuff that you have never seen and met that was coming your way. But because God changed the detour in your life, you never met it. Some of you were destined to face death, but because the detour changed, you avoided it. See, some of you were to face sickness and, and, and disease and other things, but because God took you a different route, you were able to avoid some of the things that were meant specifically for you. See, it, there has to be a time and a place that we always thank God for being good. We always thank God for what he has done for us, but we ought to thank him every now and then for the things that we missed, the thing that he has protected us from. See, I want to know out of all these students, is there anybody who can thank God not just for what you went through, but also for the trouble you avoided because he has shielded you? Is there anybody in here that can witness that? One or two people, amen. Because keep living, keep living, because God changed the route of Israel. He saved them from capture and ultimate death. And so that's why, young students, you must get it settled in your mind that wherever God takes you, you just appreciate the journey that he is taking you. Amen? Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for the comfort of your word. God, you are perfect in all your ways. And we find joy and we're renewed in you. Lord, I pray that your words fell upon fertile ground this morning. That, dear God, they felt a connection with you on today. That you spoke directly to their hearts. And now they have a deeper hunger and thirst for you. Lord, I'm grateful for the time that you have allowed us to spend on today together. And, Father, I just pray that you were pleased. Lord, we thank you for each and every student in this place. We thank you for each and every professor, administrator. Father, we thank you, dear God, for their presence. Father, we pray that you continue to abound them with your grace, continue to stretch your love to expand beyond their belief, continue to give them hope, 
Continue to allow them to fight, dear God. So, Lord, we give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise, and we thank you on this day. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody say amen. 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 Thank you again. Amen for... Thank you again for allowing me... Thank you for allowing me to be in your space today, and I pray that uh, the word was encouraging to you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be dismissed. Thanks for listening to this episode of the John Brown University Chapel Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and we'd love it if you would leave us a review.